Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of our riveting podcast from the Middle Road. This is Nishant Malhotra, founder of Middle Road OPC Private Limited. The Middle Road is enabling social change and impact within the society and sustainable development globally. Today, I will chat with Mr. Gurendra Kasmalkar on how technology is enabling social change and impact. During our discussion, we will chat about importance of accelerators within the startup ecosystem and adaptive technologies including artificial intelligence machine learning blockchain and their social impact mr grader a very warm welcome to the middle road and look forward to our conversation so much nishan it's great to be here and i really appreciate your inviting me to do this interesting discussion looking forward to it thank you so i'll just have a very brief introduction indra is the founding director and ceo of ideas to impacts innovation private limited he is also the lead investor and general partner at pentathlon ventures and owner of ideas to impacts innovation center idea to impacts innovation center is one of the leading incubators accelerators of technology startups in india ideas to impacts is also in the business of distributing the future evenly by offering cutting edge technology services through the smart town model pentathlon ventures funds and supports early stage business to business that is b2b technology startups in, in india he is mechanical engineer from iit mumbai and university of south carolina usa he has worked extensively in the technology sector is senior entrepreneur and founded very soft one of india's earliest and leading independent testing companies heavily involved in various industry forums currently is a charter member of tie and member of social innovation group of the pune international center yes so you uh, you can call me giri nishan okay. <laughs> that's yeah, what everybody calls me <laughs> yeah sorry So Gary, uh, so let's start with the first. Uh, you know, uh, you're doing very exciting work. Now you're enabling sustainable innovation in the technology sector through your work in uh, LOT or doing uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So these, you know, terms would keep coming, and we'll dwell into that also at uh, at a later stage in depth. But what I'm keen to understand is how your uh, the work predominantly at uh, Impacts Hub, which is one of the largest accelerator incubators in India. how it is impacting the sustainable sector or how is it impacting the social sector especially the startup ecosystem so please do do share your philosophy in this sector and how different are you from other incubators accelerator within this sector great uh, excellent uh, first of all let me start with uh, our fund that you mentioned so uh, as a fund it's an early stage fund you mentioned that now the philosophy was that if a fund is an early stage one then it has to have an incubator go along with it a fund and incubator to us go hand in hand the, the reason is simple the early stage startups that we are talk, wanting to help they need a lot of mentoring they need access to market they need access to funds of course they need even access to talent right uh, they they would like to meet other other entrepreneurs for example because as you know a lot of uh, things happen just by serendipity and that is where we feel that for that early stage a fund and accelerator uh, incubator has to go hand in hand that was the thinking behind starting the ideas to impact hub of course it's an excellent facility it's an excellent working space but the key thing there is there are startups about 30 of them about 350 techies sitting there they are startups that are one person startup to 40 people startup that are there right so that's what i meant by the opportunity to mingle for new startups with you know some very seasoned guys some of these our startup founders are actually having prior exits they have investors and so on so these are the people you just kind of run into when you are in the build so that's what i mean by not just being a facility but a place uh, which can become an actually hub and that's why we called it the ideas to impacts hub actually that it is it is actually creating an entire ecosystem uh, so uh, uh, you know we have mentors associated with our hub uh, we have different advisors that are you know coming from the fund side for example and as you yourself have seen there are lots of events that happen in this building now pre covid those events used to be in the building uh and there were about 100 of them that have happened so far just in a little more than a year of its inauguration 
but now with covid we are doing those uh, events uh, uh, online and we are getting international speakers to speak and so on so that's the kind of uh, hub that we have built for the tech startup so it is the people it is the companies and it is the events it's a complete ecosystem and that i feel is the difference that you were asking for it is not just another building it's it's a complete ecosystem baner as you know in pune is a big hotspot for tech and within that we have created a big hotspot for the tech startups uh, that's how i uh, we look at the building so thank you and uh, just from our audience uh, pune is a major city in maharashtra in india just to you know give uh, that fact about early stage fund uh, how early are you going in you know you, you want to come as a, a gap in between you know seed and angel i would say that's where you are targeting as seed early. seed is what we are looking at when we say early see there there is uh, i mean typically when we started this fund uh, we saw a few gaps that we were trying to address uh no one of the gaps was that uh, first of all we were in pune i've been very active in the startup ecosystem but pune did not have a fund so that was one of the gaps that we were trying to address all the funds happened to be in mumbai bangalore delhi so we wanted to have a fund that was pune headquarters second was a lot of uh, at that time uh, the focus was on b2c for example so we wanted to do b2b b at least four years now back was not supported and the third one was the stage the question that you are asking there was a lot of active angel community and then there was seen by being the seed so as a seed uh, you know we would take a startup that has you know some revenues uh, they have a product in the market they are generating some revenues early revenues and we would like to take them from that stage to a series a kind of a stage where then they can go on to the next growth phase so that is the kind of stage that we are looking at so we would call ourselves seed or pre series a that kind of a that kind of a stage where there is a product there are some early revenues uh, but uh, you know we are not at the growth stage yet and we would like them to take them take uh, them to the series a kind of a stage so that is uh, the general stage that we are operating at thanks i'll just ask a very very small tangential question before we go to the startup and you know you explained you you're very articulate in what what you did now i i presume like you look at early avenues but you look at a very sustainable model now do you have a sort of a kpi key performance indicator or a matrix which you look at and say okay this is what i want in a company uh, is is something which you give a preference sure 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 i mean uh, clearly we are talking about the early stage so which means the founders is one of the most important things that you can look at see the fact is nishan that you can have all the business plans and so on that you know everybody submits your decks and you know the business plans for the next 5 years and so on one thing is very certain about these business plans that they will not be executed as they are the plans will change the startups are at a stage where it is a given that that same plan which when nothing much is in place you you cannot really predict or project how you're going to be in five years time what we are looking at is the general direction that you're looking at but the the biggest factor is the is the founders now we look at multiple things uh, in the founders so first of all uh, you know uh, obviously the founders have to be very enthusiastic you know they must have a lot of hunger and all of that those soft things are obviously and they you find them but we also look at for example the Uh, the mix that you have among the founders is there technology skills is there you know hustle is there business uh, kind of uh, skills and uh, very importantly is there domain knowledge uh, of the problem that you're trying to solve so we look at these founders very closely then the second part comes is you know what kind of market you're looking at i mean clearly for our fund even if it is an early stage for us to get returns the the company has to go to series a and series b and beyond so that means that the probably the company has to go global so whatever problem that they are solving even if they are solving it in india that must have a global opportunity uh, so that market and that kind of what what is called the total addressable market has to be there there has to be an opportunity for the product to go global and then we come to what kind of solution that they are thinking of uh whether you know the solution has a good you know technology uh, backing to it whether it can scale and so on and so forth but uh, with the caveat that we know that there are going to be pivots that are going to happen and hence the founders have to be good enough to understand uh, what when they need to pivot and accordingly see the market and accordingly uh, change uh, the, their path so uh, roughly there are the, these three things that we look at the founders 
the market and the solution that they're building. Okay, oh, great. You know, you've been very specific and great clarity to people, you know, how do you go about, especially in the early stage, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uncertainty out of the and you're very correct. That it's very difficult to take a call five years down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, and, you know, you've done something which is like one of the major, major enablers is get funding, you know, to mm-hmm. especially early startups. And that's one of the major reasons why they fa- uh, fall down to the death valley. Mm-hmm. So that's, so we now talk about Indian government has, you know, the president wants to invest about uh, 10,000 crores now under the startup India vision plan 2024. Now, what sort of improvements have you seen? You've been in this sector for a long period of time. You've been a serial entrepreneur. You you had entrepreneurs before and you know, you started businesses in different segments in technology, but you know, maybe in different uh, sectors within the uh, technology domain. So when you talk about what sort of qualitative and quantitative differences you've observed over the years in the startup ecosystem in India? I mean, especially in technology. Absolutely. I mean, it has uh, changed so dramatically that I, I sometimes feel fortunate that the, you know, the period of my career kind of matched with the way things changed in India. So if you look at it, I started my career in way back in uh, 89. And in the 90s, when my, I first started my first business, it was in soft services. It was software services, right? At that time, the word startup was also not there. So basically, you you got into business. You started some you know consulting or services business. It was uh, in only the 2000s that products started to happen. Otherwise, the big knock on all of us was you know you're not doing nothing original. You're just you know servicing the customers in the US and so on and so forth. We all had very successful businesses. My own business, as you are aware, was in the software testing space, uh, and it it grew really very well. It became one of the uh, earliest and then the largest uh, test pure play testing company in India. Uh, but it will services companies. It's only in the mid 2000s and later that products started to come in. And there were reasons for that. The US started coming back to India. They had out of, uh, out, out of India. Now, uh, if, you, if you remember that in that early period of, you know, uh, maybe 2010 or you know, around that period, the products that were getting built were actually a lot of them were B2C products. Because everybody thought that India being such a large population, obviously B2C has to have a play. So the simple thing was that, you know, whatever was being built globally, you know, you make an Indian version of it. Now, whether it is, you know, Ola or Flipkart or whatever it is, you build, you know, those models in India. And obviously because of Indian population and Indian consumers, those will be successes. So initial wave was all B2C, but that got the startup ecosystem on a big role uh, in in India. Now, the very interesting thing that has happened uh, now is that uh, that time, a lot of funds also came from outside of India. You know, you heard of SoftBank, you know, large funds, all they came from outside of outside of India. And that days, those were the ones which were mainly funding the B2C. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, B2B is a very recent phenomenon. So now after the B2C phase, now when we started, there were hardly any B2B companies. But now it's very interesting that in the last three, four years, B2B funds have started coming up uh, you know, as well. And that's a very, very, very good sign. Uh, and uh, so that's a validation of, you know, so, something that we were trying to do. The uh, other thing that has also happened now is instead of just, you know, Mumbai, Bangalore, Delhi, uh, within India now, still different centers have started coming up. So we have started fund in Pune and we have actually looked at investors from Hubri even for, you know, for our fund in Pune. So we are looking at even smaller centers. I've gone to places like Surat and Nagpur for the similar reasons. So that kind of a spread has already started happening. So you see the changes that have happened are in multiple dimensions. So services to products, products, you know, B2C, uh, to, you know, first B2C, then B2B, funds coming from outside, funds coming from India, not just the metros, but also from smaller cities. So a lot of different dimensions of changes that have, that have happened. But the biggest change that I see, and I, I must mention this, is the founders. You know, the kind of founders that we see, you would be surprised to know that at our fund today, we are looking at something like 50 to 60 startups every month. That's the kind of deal flow that we are talking about. So you can imagine the kind of energy, the kind of uh, you know, deal flow uh, that is happening. And uh, the founders that we meet are also very confident, very technologically savvy. Uh, and the, it, it is uh, the quantity and quality, both are very, very impressive. And that to me is the biggest change and the most impressive change that has happened in the startup ecosystem 
uh, in the last uh, few years. Oh, okay, so thanks. It was a very enlightening, you know, perspective which you have given. Yeah, I do. And you, you know, you talked about a very good point. You're going to like tier three cities, and that's where my next question comes in. I think that's where a lot of social impact is coming because maybe metro and non-metro and prime cities like Pune have, have already started coming in. But you have a model which is low cost uh, smart town model. Mm-hmm. And in this, you go to a small town, um, you open up small town technology centers in like tier three cities. You talked about Satara, mm-hmm. you know, Kolhapur, etc. So would you like to sort of comment how you're invigorating the model in non-metro cities? You know, what sort yeah. of matrix do you make sure that the quality standards where you have, you know, example, like people with skill sets are on par with the very best in the world. And that will be, I think, a bit of a uh, trade-off or do you think there is a trade-off there or you say, no, no, we still are able to manage the best. In India, uh, uh, definitely very good question. I'll be very happy to answer that. See, as I mentioned, my background came from IT services, and when I got my last exit in 2016, uh, I was of course thinking of uh, you know what to do next. Uh, the in the last company, we had already grown to about thousand people, right? And uh, the trigger for me to start you know my new activity was this that the the observation that out of these thousand people. More than 500 actually came not from Pune, but from the smaller towns outside of Pune. Uh, And this is true, not just for my company, you take almost any company in Pune or any metro for that matter, you'll find that this to be the the case. What that means is that the colleges and the kids, the good, the best people as you talk, were already there. They were already coming uh, to metros for their careers. So what you see as the best people being metros half or more than half of them are actually coming from these small towns. So this was my observation. And the reason I thought they had to come to the metros was simple that 15 or 20 years back, the infrastructure was only in the metros, the Pune, Mumbai, Bangalore of the world of India. Uh, when I started looking out around 2015 uh, time frame, I noticed that the infrastructure is no more the reason. You go to any district place, any taluka place, the infrastructure, the internet, power, all of them are you know, pretty good now. And that's where the trigger came that we could actually uh, uh, move the jobs to these you know, non-metros rather than having the non-metro kids move to the metros. So that was the trigger for my starting. And because my background was in IT services, my first thought or the first application of this idea was in the services space. And that's, what, that's how the company Ideas to Impacts actually got born. The fund got started a little bit later, but the Ideas to Impact IT services company started out of this theme of uh, delivering IT services to our global customers, but not from metros, from the smaller towns or the non-metros. Logical next step of Indian offshoring. In our IT offshoring business, you know, people had started saying that, oh, India is too expensive. Why don't we go to Philippines and what, why don't we go to Cambodia? And my simple answer was, why do you have to go to Philippines and Cambodia? You can go to Bharat. And that's how this whole uh, smart town model uh, of, of delivering from non-metros uh, came up. I should also talk about why we call it the smart town model. We started off calling it the small town model earlier, but then we quickly realized that to, to be able to sustain this, it has to be on the cutting edge. Beauty practice, we have an AIML practice, uh, we have a digital practice, SAP, PLM, all of these cutting edge practices is what we are doing for the, from these uh, non-metros. Uh, and uh, that's why we call it the smart town model. Of course, you may ask the question, how can you do all these things from these uh, non-metros? And that's where uh, we, we, our innovation kicked in. And uh, that's what actually has made this model work. And we call it the smart town pyramid. Just as in the offshore business used to have an onsite offshore pyramid, we have an onsite metro and non-metro pyramid. Realizing the fact that if you go to the non-metros, you are going to get very good juniors. You are going to get very good fresh uh, you know, candidates, but you're not going to get seniors because they have already moved to the metros. So our pyramid has the metro layer where all the seniors sit and that's in our building in Baner and the juniors are hired out of the you know, non-metros and they work out of there. So that is how this model has been uh, quite uh, successful because now the seniors sitting in the metros who are actually very experienced, 15, 20 year experienced people, uh, they have you know, worked with the larger companies, they have done global delivery, but very crucially, they've also come in from the uh, non-metros. They've come in from Adhure, they've come in from Aurangabad into Pune, and that's why they like this model. And then they take the onus to not only on the one hand, 
talk to the customers, understand what they need. But on the other hand, get you know the teams built in their small towns or the smart towns and get the work delivered out of there. So this is what uh, we have been able to do with the smart town model. And by the way, in passing, I must also mention that with the current situation of COVID, our model is actually getting a boost because now everybody is getting used to remote working. And yeah, I, I was about to come to that question. It's you ask your question. Uh, yeah, yes. that was my next what question. Was question? Is COVID-19. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so if you can easily imagine, you know, if people were wanting work to be done out of metros and now suddenly they see that their own employees are actually working out of non-metros and work is happening very well. So why would you not then move to uh, able to move the work to non-metros where there are so much other benefits of, uh, you know, uh, uh, that you can, that this model can offer. And that's what we are seeing uh, in uh, that. Uh, see, ultimately, what we need to prove in this model that it is not just cost. It is not just social impact. Cost is, of course, you will save a lot of money by going out to the metros. There will be a social impact of kids staying there and not coming to the metros. But ultimately, the work has to happen. You know, the delivery has to happen well. And that's what we have achieved by that pyramid, by the, by the seniors in Pune and the juniors in there. So the delivery was happening well, but you need a crisis like these for the mindsets of people to change. You know, I give always giving the example of Y2K, you know, Indian offshoring was always there, but it was with Y2K 20 years back that people started believing that mindset changed. And then suddenly Indian offshoring saw a boost in the next decade. Similar thing we believe is going to happen with our you know, smartphone model as well. They, we were already delivering. But now the mindsets of customers can change and they can see that happening. Their own people working out of uh, you know, the non-metros and hence we feel that the model can, can get a boost. In fact, we are being very innovative about it. We are even asking our customers that if your own people are now working from these remote uh, non-metros, why don't you let them stay there? Why, don't, uh, why, why do you have to insist for them to come back after things become normal? Let them work from there. And we as ideas to impacts, we build our teams and infrastructure and process around them to deliver, you know, much larger from those towns. And for you, it is a good thing because now your own expert is actually uh, there to take care of the delivery. So it's not even our own guy, the, the, the senior, the expert is from your team and we are building our ideas to impacts team around that person. So that is the way I think COVID will actually help this model just as Y2K helped Indian offshoring 20 years back. Yeah, you, it's good you you know brought in Y2K, but that's the time I was completing my engineering, and you know, that uh -huh. was a, the the topic around the whole campus, like Y2K, right. and you, mm -hmm. you saw a lot of work coming to India. So th mm -hmm. thank you, you know, you give a very in-depth perspective here. So coming back to you know your, your ventures, uh, Pantheon Ventures, now you're investing in uh, basically market fit B2B technology companies. Now mm -hmm. to just share some statistics. B2B technology companies are one of the fastest rising companies among the startup ecosystem in India. So according to Zinov, in 2018, we had 43% of the 7,400 startups in India, which were in the B2B sector, which is about 26% uh, rise uh, from 2014, uh, where you had about 3,100 startups in India. So this is like about a percentage of almost 300% uh, to be precise, 294.8% uh, in just four years. Now, I'm, I'm just, of course, this is a simple percentage increase which I'm taking. So in which technology sectors uh, have you seen an upside among your portfolio of startups? I mean, when, what are, I, I think we did, uh, you, you have already talked about the metrics. So maybe, you know, that doesn't matter now, but uh, where are you seeing, I mean, which space and technology we are seeing is the major? Uh, okay, uh, excellent question. Now, um, as a fund, I mean, clearly, Nishant, you're better at all these statistics and numbers than I am. I can never remember all these numbers, but thanks for giving me that. The, you know, I, I see that as a perspective. I see that thing, those things happening. It's good to know in terms of numbers that the, the, in, to the extent or to the scale at which, uh, which these things are happening. So um, as a fund, as you can imagine, uh, we have to be always looking into the future. So what we are trying to build as companies now you know, they have to have a market five years, 10 years down the line. So that's the very interesting role that a fund plays and interesting for us also as fund managers to be on that cutting edge to see, you know, where things, uh, things are going and to, to if, if possible, to help, help with that. 
So, uh, uh, for example, one change I already talked to you about was the uh, the model part of it. From B to C, people change to B to B. Now, B to B happens to be a horizontal, right? So, uh, you are talking about uh, uh, a technology, a B to B tech kind of. So, you are delivering on cloud. So, uh, when you talk about SaaS, uh, we look at B two B tech companies who are delivering with a SaaS mechanism. Now, why is SaaS important? SaaS is software as a service. Uh, you might be aware, or your audience uh, may be aware, that earlier uh, a lot of the software used to be delivered as a license basis. So you would, you know, on premise, you will install the license on your servers, and that's how corporates would use the use the uh, the software. That is changing very fast to SaaS. That is software as a service, where the software is not installed on your servers on your premise, but it is installed somewhere on the cloud. Why is that important? Number of things. First of all, if you are installing the software on your on your server, do you know how difficult it used to be to project or predict what what size of a server you need? The sizing of it, because you would need to know how many people would be using it. You would need to know how many people would be using it next year and year after that, and so on and so forth. So you would have to size for the growth, and that is always a very difficult thing. Whereas now, if the if the software is sitting in the cloud, you can always very flexibly increase or even decrease the the uh, you know deployment that you want to have to cater to the increasing or decreasing need that you might have. So SaaS is very popular now with the corporates because that allows them the flexibility. They don't have to commit upfront. However, it has also become very important, very uh, you know useful for the startups themselves because now uh, with SaaS. they can be anywhere in the world and be selling to any customer anywhere else in the world that's very very powerful so when we are talking about you know growing startups in india who are solving some kind of an indian problem with an indian solution but going global you can imagine that with saas how much easier it becomes you know they don't have to have uh, you know uh, an you know, even an office in the us there are companies who are totally in india but selling to soft, selling their software anywhere in the world so that becomes possible you can sell uh, you know over the cloud you can support over the cloud so almost you don't need any feet on the ground kind of sales people and you can be able to do that so that is the kind of technology that or the technology delivery mechanisms that our fund is uh, you know going to support so even in a horizontal sense that's a technology that uh, is being adopted by corporates uh, you know very well uh, now underlying that there could be various things you know there could be lots of different things that are happening iot is happening ai ml is happening cyber security is big all of these different spaces and again these apply to various verticals so it could be healthcare it could be education it could be retail it could be many different logistics transport that's the kind of you know things that are happening a lot of different technology and a lot of different verticals so you can imagine the changes that are happening and every day is a new day and mm-hmm. uh, that that keeps us you know on our feet and very very excited about what we are doing uh is there any further specific questions about any particular technology i'd be very happy to answer but i i thought let me give you this overview first of how things are changing uh overall in this space so great i i, I think you gave a you know a very very broad or uh, very top down approach and i think that's excellent i really love the quotation uh, plan for the size for the growth you know uh, companies don't have to like like you rightly mentioned saas model i think became very famous with salesforce i mean they revolutionized it now it's become ubiquitous mm-hmm. and i really appreciated you talked about cloud computing now cloud computing is something which is really big i mean microsoft makes a lot of money through cloud computing now that's one of the major uh, factors uh, for a lot of companies especially you know in the us also amazon makes a lot of money from uh, cloud computing google also but of course for uh, microsoft and uh, amazon cloud computing is a major part of uh, the revenues and i also read in in a sap report which implements erp that maybe around uh, not sure but uh, it's uh, it's about 80% of the comp- businesses coming from small businesses or from computer mm-hmm. uh, cloud computing in mm-hmm. india mm-hmm. so how do you rank now cloud computing as a sector going forward you think that's going to be really big that's where you know a lot of small yes so cloud is already big i mean that's like i said is the delivery layer i mean all the activities happening of uh, you know in the cloud so that is fundamental to the change that has happened over the uh, over the last few years so, uh, now you know 
we talk about you talked about b2b now how do you rate b2b e-commerce sector from one of the reports i i read it's going to become about 250 billion dollar this year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah and how do you yep. think uh, it is uh, you know the b2b this part of sector different from us and china uh, you know from what your experiences uh maybe i, I should indian kind of a situation uh, you can easily see how uh, you know that uh, benefits the population of india india is a very large country uh, it's a very diverse country uh you know people are very um, uh, remote so uh, 70% probably of our population still re- you know lives in different villages and so on so uh, you know e-commerce or everything happening over internet you know, is very very uh, not only uh, it's a nice to have or something it's a kind of a must have you know so that's where uh, things like especially in india uh, the platforms like india stack are very important i'm sure you have heard of india stack india stack yeah, yeah i'm just trying to the platform uh, that uh, includes uh, you know uh, aadhar upi e sign ekyc and so on that is going to be the major game changer for for india because otherwise how do you think we would have included all these large populations of india that are living in remote places and to nobody's surprise fintech is one of the largest uh, things that are happening uh with india stack right so uh, uh you must have heard of this jam trilogy like jandan aadhar uh, and mobile so people are able to get money directly onto their banks like in their bank account they are able to transact through their mobiles and uh, that's how you know a lot of uh, benefits that even government wants to give people can be passed on to the people directly so these are the you know these are huge things i mean in 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 a lot of ways we are actually leading the way uh, uh, ahead of the rest of the world so uh, whether it is aadhar whether it is you know uh, the mobile uh, mobile revolution that has happened digital payments these are spaces that we are actually leading the world and uh, of course uh, in our case in india's case these are required to change and transform the lives lives of indians so these the things that are happening and they they have happened you know uh, uh, in a very short period of time so to say i mean the whole other project just started in 2010 or something and then within a few years you know 1.25 billion people were on uh, mm-hmm. registered on aadhar and then uh, with the with the with, uh, with their mobiles they were able to you know uh, operate their their bank accounts and do e-commerce and so on so uh, to my mind e-commerce is the transformational thing or the internet or all of these uh, india stack these things are transformational and uh, that's how uh you know the uh, the whole indian population is going to get included in the ecosystem and that's what is the biggest driver for our growth uh, for india's growth the biggest driver is to is is to be able to include these large populations that are out there and who had no opportunity to get included in the financial market so far so that's what is the very exciting thing about uh, what is happening with e-commerce uh, in india no and maybe you think i mean even china has done fantastic well in fintech in alipay uh, even us a lot of companies have uh, used technology especially in micro lending micro finance space so uh, you know there, there are there have been a lot of work going so if you want to look at a difference between us china and india would it be like in the t- terms of quantum of spending for yeah, a lot yeah. of, uh, of funds that would you will say one of that the, is uh, true i mean from the fund perspective like i said earlier even in india Uh, the larger uh, funding that has happened is by the external players, uh, and that quantum of funding is definitely a difference between what happens in India and China, uh, sorry, US and China, and and India. And uh, clearly, the B two C plays require a lot of funding, and so it is not a surprise that they happen first in in outside of India, in China, and in the US, and so on. And then they saw the Indian opportunity, and then it it happened uh, in India as well. so you see that difference uh, uh, so now of course b2c has happened in india as well uh, but uh, otherwise if you see that difference in the valuation that you get in the bay area also for example especially in the bay area and within the us the valuations are quite higher as compared to uh, compared to india but then you know uh, it could be benefit in the other way also in india we have always prided ourselves in doing things frugally for example so i would very much uh, appreciate if a startup is actually being able to 
uh, do things with less funding for example and and in 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 the b2b space that i am in that is actually possible so we do look at uh, you know b2b a little bit differently uh, but there are places where you need funding uh, in much higher volume so b2c was one example but deep tech could be the other example now uh, let me give some examples for example now uh, if you are talking about uh let's say we are in the covid era right now so if you are talking about finding a vaccine to covid for example now these kind of research uh, these kind of you know uh, initiatives will need a lot of funds and you know those are the funds that are probably available in in the us and china and so on uh so whether it is a b2c or deep tech kind of funds where uh, there is a lot of research required lot of you know uh, Uh, time required to come up with the solutions and so on even before you get a customer see in typical b2b that we're talking about you find the solution you take it to the customer some revenues and from that you can run uh, your companies and hence you can be frugal in terms of what kind of external funds that you're needing so that's a typical advantage of b2b that uh, that we see and that's why we are funding b2b companies but when you get to uh something like a deep tech where you are researching for a vaccine against uh, a virus then uh, you are not going to get any revenue still the time you are in the market that time could be large it could be year for example and there is going to be a deep research that is going to go on and so for these kind of product developments you need a lot of uh, you know large funds and that is where you know uh, countries like in, in us or uh, china uh, could have uh, you know much larger funds to deploy than what we are able to do in india no so good thanks thanks you for the now we come to the so i was i wanted to i'm very keen to understand how you've been enabling the social entrepreneurship uh, ecosystem just if you take uh, the social entrepreneurship space i think there is a lacuna here um, you know there's a paucity of uh, funds available in this sector so how you enabling a sustainable uh, social change and impact within the i would say the social entrepreneurship ecosystem do you, do you oh, consider uh, them as a Yes. Thank, thanks for that question. It's of great interest to me. Uh, I I do it uh, more as a, on the non-profit side of my activities. Our fund, as you know, is a you know Cat One fund, uh, AIF Cat One fund, uh, you know SEBI register and all that. So it has it has its own thesis, and we I, we talked about that thesis. So the activity that we do with or I do with social entrepreneurs is through a, a organization called the Pune International Center. And where do we find the social entrepreneurs? We have an annual function called the National Conference for Social Innovation, which happens in November, where we award six tribal eighteen people are then offered mentorship. And we found is while the problems that these people are working on may be different than what the for-profit uh, ones are doing, the business problems could be exactly the same. They also want to sustain and they also want to scale. Unfortunately. the ecosystem that is available for for profit entrepreneurs is not available for non profit and that is where we started this mentorship activity and you know we 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 actually do it quite structured way in the sense that we identify what stage they are at right now whether do they have a product do they have a company do they have customers and you know what is their target do they want to you know scale uh, or do they want to you know first sustain and then go to scale depending on what stage they are at we chart out what stage they could be at the end of the mentorship it's a six month program and we try to get them there and interestingly we find that the problems of scaling and sustaining are exactly the same that you have in the for profit so we can help with our background to them in the areas of their interest in the problems that they have identified and we can help them uh, you know grow in that and we have got some very good success stories and especially in the covid period you know some of them have been very active uh, with with uh, coming up uh, with repurposing their uh, products you know uh, somebody is building face shield somebody is building uv based uh, uh, uv based instruments for in disinfecting uh face mask and other you know pp clothes and so on so all of those activities are you know give a lot of uh, to see all of our mentees doing all these kind of interesting things is a is a is gives us a great satisfaction and pride actually. oh great so you know we keep on uh, since you're from technology space and you know you have been a leader in the tech industry the first question i think uh, you know keep comes keeps coming to everybody's mind is artificial intelligence mm-hmm. so how do you think is the artificial intelligence not only evolving in india but globally you know just to give one figure according to accenture ai could add about 1 trillion dollars to indian economy by 
35 so it's just uh, one figure but uh, it's not only the terms of i just want to understand how the social impact is coming because a lot of work in artificial intelligence still goes in with companies like i mean i think amazon is one of the largest investors in this particular sector you have um, you know the top companies facebook or and it's predominantly in e-commerce sector from what a lot of things are changing maybe driverless cars are going to be you know incorporating artificial intelligence so i would love to know how this sector is evolving from your perspective no absolutely i mean we cannot have such kind of a you know discussion without talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning ai ml is has you know achieved that kind of a you know stature in our uh, in our world today and not just in our startup ecosystem uh, i have to say that uh, when we are looking at um, all the startup or the deal flow that comes to us most of them if not all of them have something or the other to do with ai ml now uh, they are not you know uh, we are looking at the use cases of ai ml into particular application areas but it's very rare to find these days a startup that is not using ai ml in a particular kind of a way now i have to say that you know ai ml is just not another technology it's a complete different you know way of doing things because of the way things are being done so it is not as we earlier used to do uh, you know learn a business process see what rules are being followed implement those rules as a program and that's how you automate a particular process now here we are trying to see what we can learn out of the data that has already happened you take a lot of data you see what all has already happened and based on that let the machine learn the rules rather than set the rules so that is a completely different paradigm and we are only in the beginning of Uh, this revolution that is happening uh, with with ai ml so you know i would not put it as just another new technology it's a completely different way of uh, 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 doing things and as a fund uh, you know we find it uh, i will i'll talk about you know how i look at it as a fund how i look at it as ideas to impacts and uh, in various ways but as a fund i'll i'll, I'll tell you that uh, there are various layers to ai ml so you know there are some platforms of yeah so you know ibm watson is the most famous but there are other companies that like tcs has built something called igneo and all of these different companies have their own platforms which basically allow uh, you know end to end right from data ingestion to you know an- the analyzing of the data all of that to finally the visualization uh, of uh, of it Indeed. so all of that you know is provided by the platform now uh, what does the platform need it requires a lot of data to first come in. so there is a lot of services that are required in terms of processing data so if the machine has to learn then you have to provide a lot of data to for that machine to learn now uh, uh, the data comes in from various sources the data comes in from uh, people entering the data when they were they are on the internet it comes from iot uh, it comes from you know or it comes from the databases that corporates have for example data comes from various uh, different places now this data has to be processed now data has to be sometimes cleaned sometimes curated you know sometimes synthetic data has to be created now you talked about autonomous driving now you know that it is machine learning so you know that lot of video data is being fed into this uh, machine for that machine to learn about traffic and that's how it's making its own decision by you know literally millions of videos are being you know fed into the this machine for them to learn how the traffic uh, is happening and uh, that's how the machine learns now let me ask you this what are the most critical situations to be handled in the traffic now those situations are actually accidents right mm-hmm. these are the corner cases that happen in, in that, traffic yeah. now where do you get that data most of the data that you will get from traffic videos is a normal data uh, so how do you get it mm-hmm. you know accident data that is where synthetic data creation comes into place that you have to create this data and uh, you know people have used video games for that matter for example to create this kind of accident cases and that are being used and this is a case, example of video i gave that because you know everybody uh, you know know this particular use case of driving and traffic and so on but this particular synthetic data creation has to happen in cad has to happen in text all kinds of data so almost by data type you can have different datas that can be processed in different ways and synthetic data created so you have a lot of services industry that is getting built so on the one hand you are talking about ai even killing jobs but there are these different kinds of jobs that are getting created also as we speak now <clears throat> interestingly what is now being realized is 
for AIML, a lot of this service component will be required. It is not, uh, as I said earlier, there is a services, you know, kind of a sector. There is a product kind of a sector. AIML could be a different kind of a sector altogether, not completely product, not completely services. It will need a lot of services. And, you know, you build on top of the platform that I talked about. Uh, so we talked about the services which are need to, needed to process the data. We talked about a platform which that takes that data in and processes it and so on in a horizontal kind of a way. But then finally, you're talking about building vertical solutions on top of these kind of platforms. Because ultimately, it is a use case that matters. So you have to have an AIML solution for your radiology. Your, and you know those are the kind of startups. Yeah, even uh, robotics. Yeah, you know. yeah robotics. Yeah. We are actually in our fund, we have funded uh, radiology, uh, AI-based radiology startup, which also happens to be in our building called DeepTech. So, yeah, so the, there has to be these vertical solutions that have to come on top of that. Then they're actually helping the uh, end user or the consumer or the customer. So th this is this whole, you know, ecosystem of AIML, uh, which I talked about from the raw data to the platform that, you know, processes the data. And finally, uh, the vertical solutions for individual use cases that are coming out of that. So that's the whole span of AIML. So you see a lot of things to be done and a lot of ways that our life is going to be transformed because of AIML. You're right. You know, like so coin has got two sides. This one is a very dangerous side is like AI is being used to sort of nudge us into buying, you know, a lot of e-commerce. Mm -hmm. Uh, buying goods maybe which you don't need and you know trying to sort of map your brain up but you are also very correct like it's sort of you know transforming other sectors right it's just a separate field altogether yeah. and uh, you know talking about AI we came to one of the most important and most exciting technology blockchain mm -hmm. now blockchain has not only revolutionized businesses but also in social sector mm -hmm. for just to give an example like blockchain is given actually about 100% uh, CAGR in, uh, in, in terms of the number of startups in India now, going on around the world where blockchain is being used, maybe in healthcare sector, also in social sector, like a lot of African countries, uh, I've read some African countries have also implemented blockchain healthcare, you know, because it brings in a lot of accountability. So would you like to, uh, you know, speak on uh, blockchain here, uh, how it's transforming in your opinion, how, how much weightage would you give? Or sure. I mean, uh, our uh, hub, IDS Impacts hub does have a few blockchain um, uh, technology startups as well. Uh, clearly, uh, it's a very important technology. The, the, the problem it is solving is of trust. And if you can automate uh, the, this uh, trust issue, then there, there are going to be a number of ways that it can be used. It is coming up in terms of the different use cases that can, it can be used for. And we will see more and more of these uh, startups uh, definitely coming up in the years to come. Uh, uh, clearly, we talked about cloud, which has already become the norm. We talked about AI ML, which is coming, you know, which uh, also has uh, taken its, uh, its growing in, in, in its uh, uh, path. Uh, so blockchain is also going to get there because of the uh, problem that it solves. And the, its, its use cases are still being evolved. So you will see a number of use cases come up uh, for blockchain and they are going to transform. Uh, there is also flip side of it that, you know, sometimes uh, you know, you have the technology, you have a hammer and you, you are looking for a nail. So sometimes, you know, these technologies get applied to uh, use cases that are not so, you know, so fittingly uh, useful. Uh, but that's that always happens with uh, when a new technology comes up. Uh, so I am uh, definitely hopeful that uh, as blockchain grows, it will find its uh, specific use cases that it can be used at. And then that's how it will uh, transform uh, our society and our world. That. Talked about uh, transformation. Are you looking at, uh, you know, how some very few specific sectors would you think would be very critical? You talked about healthcare. I think you also talked about education. Apart yes. from these two, uh, you, are, are you looking at any any other sectors? Which you feel uh, like? like I talked about earlier, fintech. It's going to fintech. make a huge difference right. in India in terms of the enablement. Uh, it, it enabling it does uh, of the financial inclusion of the large populations of India is extremely important uh, for India. All these sectors that can benefit out of remote working, uh, especially in the COVID situation, are going to get a big boost. And you'll see that happening in healthcare. You'll see that happening in Edutech, right? Already, uh, we are seeing that uh, all students are you know, studying from home, videos, and all of these are going to become uh, norms. I mean, it always happens that 
you know, uh, with something big like COVID happening, uh, then the normal changes. Uh, but it never goes from zero to one. It always stabilizes in between somewhere. Uh, it never remains the complete old. It never becomes a new, complete new. And uh, it will, uh, you know, come to an equilibrium somewhere in between. But certainly the world will change quite a bit. I myself now, for example, uh, have been working remotely from home. And I see that a lot of work that you felt you had to go to office now can be done out of, uh, you know, uh, out of home. Uh, but of course, you'll need the office. So there will be an equilibrium that will happen. Uh, but uh, the digitalization uh, that you're talking about is definitely going to help us uh, navigate the new normal that is going to happen with COVID in almost all the sectors that you can think of. Coming to social impact, you know, you have been, uh, you're the president and uh, of the executive uh, committee of I4C. So you've done a lot of initiatives, including uh, the Smart India Hackathon, which drives innovation among students in India. Now, I did speak to Mr. Ramanan, who is uh, the mission director at Atal Innovation Mission. And they have a wonderful initiative, which is Tinkering uh, Labs Initiative, where they go to the schools and, you know, do a lot of, a um, uh, lot of innovation, drive innovation among the uh, students at a younger age. Mm -hmm. So do share your one insights about how the mindset of students has changed over the years and especially in problem solving abilities through experiments. And how do you see yourself, your initiative, Smart India Hackathon in complementing with what other innovation mission is also doing? No, the Smart India Hackathon is uh, in collaboration with AICTE which is the nodal agency of all engineering colleges in India and the ministry of HRD of the central government. So what Smart India Hackathon does is every year conduct uh, now both software and hardware competitions uh, of uh, letting students solve the problems that are actually given by the various ministries of the Indian and the state governments as well as corporates. So what we have enabled with this Smart India Hackathon is essentially giving a chance to uh, for students to work on real problems. See, what we realize is that the students have a lot of uh, you know energy, a lot of enthusiasm. They have a lot of technology savvy as well. But if they're not given the real problems, they will use it for you know different things. Because ultimately, as students, you, uh, you don't have the exposure, you don't have the experience to know the real problems. So what Smart India Hackathon has really done is put this energy, put this force onto the real problems of India that have come from the ministries and corporates. And you see wonderful results. You know, I've been part of this organization of the Smart India Hackathon through I4C, the company that, uh, the non-profit company, which is Pune based, that works with uh, AICTE and MHRD. Uh, and I've been to Hubri for, in the first year, I was actually at the Hubri Center. And I could see the energy and enthusiasm of the student in action. You know, times. People complain whether students are using their time the best possible way. They are making use of facilities that are available to them. You know, they're getting into doing wrong things. Uh, but to me, they, I feel that they have all the wherewithal. They have the savvy. They have the energy. They have the enthusiasm. Only thing they were lacking was the real good problems that they should be solving. And even about the output of the hackathons. To me, it's the process of hackathon. What the students learn while doing that hackathon is so much more useful in their lives uh, in the future, rather than what they come up with. I mean, if they actually come up with the product and if they actually start a startup using that idea, fantastic. But even if that doesn't happen, I know that their lives change, you know, for the better just by being participating in the hackathon. And for sure in their future, you know, after the education is over, they will do some kind of a startup and that's the hope because ultimately the future uh, of India lies a lot in what the youngsters are going to do with the startups. You know, a change happens uh, with the smaller companies and the startups. And that's where I think the uh, initiatives like hackathons help because that's what gives the opportunity for students to work with their own hands and to uh, you know, bring some solutions up for some real problems. And this uh, process that they've gone to is going to make them, you know, definitely try in their future lives some kind of innovation, some kind of startups, which is going to help change the course for India. So that is how I think uh, the uh, startup, uh, the start, uh, the Smart India Hackathon helps. And this is where 
uh, whatever Atal Innovation Mission is doing with Tinkering Labs, as you mentioned, is exactly the same thing. Even at a younger age, even the schools, if you give them the opportunity to work on real problems and solve them by their own hands, they will be innovative uh, when the future in the future when the, the opportunity arises for them. As compared to when the model of education was more of giving exams, written exams, and get some degrees and certificates and so on. Degrees and certificates are not going to be useful. Things are going to be in a continuous change mode in the future for these students. And for that, they have to be innovative. They cannot hope that a degree certificate is going to get through their entire career. That's not going to happen at all. So for them, it's very important that they become innovative. They become uh, you know, uh, very easily uh, uh, adapting to changes. And that's what uh, these hackathons and these tinkering labs are helping them in their in their uh, during their education so that they adapt to this changing world of the future that they're going to face in a much more successful way and also then uh, help the world change due to their innovation. Oh, cool. Okay. And, and you think like you missed it on a lighter note, you think if you had this uh, excess when you were a kid, you could have so much done uh, uh, differently things you feel? That Absolutely. I, I, I have said this often whenever I go to the student event that I almost envy them. Mm -hmm. The kind of, you know, facilities they're getting and, you know, what they're doing. Uh, I mean, you just have to talk to kids to see how much more they know than what you knew when they were their, their age, right? So it is, uh, it's not even funny. I mean, uh, it's, it's a fact of life today that these kids know so much more. And I certainly envy the facilities that they're getting. And you will see because of that, uh, that uh, you know the things will change much faster than we think. I mean, uh, we have had uh, you know our time of you know 20, 30 years to grow our businesses and so on, so on and so forth. But these kids are going to make the changes you know much faster and much more dramatically than what we were able to do because of the knowledge that they have, the facilities that they have, and uh, the way they are they are looking at this world. It's totally different. And that is what we need, actually, this new set of eyes. I always say that to know a problem, you probably need experience. And with the experience in a particular domain, the experience of living life, you know that there are problems. But to solve the problems, you probably need the youth, uh, the, the, the ability to think differently. And that's what uh, this new generation brings. And uh, you know, I definitely uh, envy them, but also look forward to they coming up with the solutions for us to uh, getting into this uh, this this new world. Yeah, true. I think uh, the a lot of education has got revolutionized, specifically from the Nordic countries. Mm -hmm. You know, Finland and houses, and even Germany, they brought in a lot of concepts of uh, experiments and uh, you know the experiential, experiment-driven education. I think that yes, will be yes, yes. And that is what you see when you know even in the Ideas to Impacts Hub, uh, I talked about mingling between startups. But even when I take a walk. You know, if you can meet the youngsters, you know, working on different things, uh, that's such a, you know, um, energizing thing for you also, you know. Uh, so it's, it's definitely good for you know, somebody like me to have this opportunity to work with students uh, in school, to work with students in college through these hackathons and to work with youngsters who are working in startups and the founders in our building. So that definitely is something that I really uh, feel I've, I've been very lucky to have the opportunity to do. And, and, and it's very good is like you're also sort of inco incorporating, you know, those changes and you're giving it back to the society and you're giving it to the future generation. Oh, thank so, you so much. Uh, yeah. So, and, and that is, I think, a, a very big, uh, you know, very sustainable, I'll say, social impact, which are giving to the society. Now, I'll come to my second last question. Uh, of course, last question is always the aha question from the middle road. But uh, so, you know, we talked about so much of education now. When you come to ideas to impacts, uh, it has implemented a lot of projects in the edtechs uh, for edtech companies. Now, according to Nashcom 2018 uh, startup report, about 11% of the social startups in India are from the edtech. So, how do you think this sector is evolving in India, and what could be the key drivers for growth here in India and globally? Or what do you think is the difference? Maybe what do you think could be, and what are the very critical uh, key performance indicators which I could be looking at? Or people should be looking at actually i just now touched upon that so it's good that you're asking this question and uh, to me education needs to change dramatically to meet the needs of the future i mean uh, we talked about that right the technology is changing so so fast uh, that let's say somebody is 
uh, entering a college and it's a four year course you know and i know that after four years what kind of jobs that person is going to get is not known the jobs may be completely new they may not be even existing now now how are you going to do this i mean how is even the college going to give you a four year degree course and prepare for your future when the jobs that uh, you are supposed to get are not even existing when you are entering the college so that's the kind of challenge that education faces it's a it's a much bigger challenge than just calling it edtech or what kind of solutions or remote you know education that we can bring to technology education has far bigger challenges in terms of how it meets the needs of the future and for example uh, you know we know that uh, earlier people used to have one job in their careers in my generation maybe you know three four five jobs and now they are going to have you know different not only jobs but even different careers in their work so they must keep continuously training themselves right they cannot be satisfied with a four year degree and think that they they will get through the career with that so uh, education has to cater to not just students or, or children and youngsters but also to more mature people for example who have had their first careers and second career they now looking for change in career that has to happen uh, so that are the aspects that we didn't even talk about in terms of education uh, Uh, uh leveraging the technology that is available to deliver education in different kinds of ways uh the technology itself is changing so how do you uh, up upgrade the content so that you know newer and newer technologies are 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 being taught so that's the other other challenge that uh, uh edtech has to has to face uh, cool or it could be also like you know maybe uh, short term courses are more exactly. important which you feel like maybe 10 exactly. degrees and more pre training exactly. Uh, and we think vocational training also could be another sector where maybe lot lot of work is being done 100% 100% ultimately people are going to get educated for uh, the work that they are going to do and this these are going to be shorter term courses because these needs are going to change continuously and these are going to be vocational courses because there are i mean today there is statistic that a lot of people are becoming engineers by doing this four year degree courses they are not finding jobs on the one hand whereas there are a lot of jobs that are going uh, you know begging because there are not enough people who can do those uh, jobs you know there are a lot of plumbing and welding jobs that are going you know without finding people to do that uh, and the engineers because they got trained as engineers are not now suitable for these kind of jobs so there are all kind of these mismatches which will be uh, which some entrepreneurs will find as an opportunity and with the help of technology find solutions to those kind of uh, requirements okay great wonderful you know it's been a very long chat and i come to the last question we've been you know we we touched on a lot of topics we don't only touched about startup we we went to social ecosystem we went to social entrepreneurship we looked at uh, digital transformation ai we looked at blockchain we looked at various technologies within the uh, technology game and now uh, i come to you as as your last question as which is from the middle road uh, do tell us any of your aha moments you know which uh, brings back uh, happiness which brings a smile to your lips anything which like to talk about it right uh, i mean uh, so one of the good things i did i remember is that uh, i started my entrepreneurship journey at a very young age you know i knew nothing about it but you know uh, the young age is when also the risks are very little and i actually benefited of starting just after a couple of years of experience i started into it and it was very hard you know i learned uh, in fact i my first uh, venture that i did i actually call it as my mba because that's how i learned about business i had no idea earlier i didn't come from a business family but that is how i got uh, learned the ropes of it and then that benefited me throughout my entire journey of uh, uh, so i was very young then and i was able to make a success of my earlier ventures but as i i grow into career now it's now it's about 30 years that i've been in the career what i uh, what i really find rewarding is the opportunity as an entrepreneur or the journey that i am having to continuously work with younger people so initially i was the young one and i built a team of young people and that i grew that into a company of software testing uh, uh, professionals but then after that i remember uh, uh, having an average you know age in my company to be 23 24 something like that in the beginning and then that company grew to a thousand people so it became a mature company it got acquired and became a standard couldn't be called a startup then and i remember saying when you know i came out, exited out of uh, the last company when it grew to about a thousand people saying that uh, the average age had gone to 31 and so you know time to change and then i started ideas to impacts the age is again gone back to 
and then you know that's you know, aha that's the thing that you enjoy that you continuously keep working with youngsters that's how you not only keep learning you keep yourself young uh, again you start a fund you start working with startup founders who are not only youngsters but again remind you of what you were you know you when you were that age and you started your own company so when you have a fund and an incubator you again get that opportunity of uh, working with youngsters and very very innovative and you know enterprising youngsters and that you know uh, keeps you not only young you know keeps you learning all the time and i would say keeps you giving these aha moments on a daily basis almost rather than having this one uh, big aha moment so for me uh, luckily for me the career has been such that every new stage has been more interesting than than, uh, than a previous stage so while you know uh, the college days is something that everybody likes and so on and so forth for me every new stage has been even more interesting and exciting including the current stage where as a fund as an incubator i get a chance to meet all these youngsters who are some of the leaders of tomorrow and are giving me these aha moments almost on a daily basis like i said so uh, thank you thank you giri you know for sharing a very poignant uh, journey and for giving a, a fantastic perspective so uh, thanks for giving time uh, for taking time and and you know sharing a wonderful perspective thanks a lot i really no nishant i must thank you this was a great pleasure to do this uh, discussion uh, chat with you i thoroughly enjoyed it and i hope your audience enjoys it too yeah thank you sure